Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Components. I'm Ren, product marketer at Hereto and your podcast MC. I'm Patrick, CEO here at Hereto. And I'm Jared, lead solutions consultant. Thanks for joining us on our weekly conversation about componentized and structured content. Hope you enjoy this 15 or so minutes of fun talking about everything from data to innovations in AI. All right, let's get into it. Um, all right, so we're talking about digital proximity today, um, which is cool. We've never talked about it before. Never. Um, so do we want to start off with the uh, the what? The what it is? Well, wait. I mean, I do have this distinct memory that um, Ren and I both tried to do some research on digital proximity. And we think this is really just a setup by you because it's not a real thing. And you're like, yeah, that's because I made it up. I, I didn't make it up. it up. I didn't make it up. I, I mean, you did. I heard you, about you it and I have, I have bec I've become the probably the, the standard bearer a bit. It's not a big standard. Heard about it, but you heard about it in a different context. And you're like, oh, I can <gasps> no, use no, that. No, no, no. I actually heard about it in in the context of content. I did. It was in a, a presentation mm. okay. by someone I can't remember right now, but it was a few years ago. And I was like, that's a really interesting oh. concept. And turns out that nobody's really talked about it other than me, I think, since then, or at least by evidence of Google, that seems to be the case. That does seem to be the case. But it's a useful concept. I am all for useful and useful concepts. I'm all for making up terms if they pick out something unique in the world and, and they are, in fact, useful. So please. Well, so, okay. What so is here's the thing. So these kinds of concepts content and how it impacts people in our businesses can be super abstract, right? So, you know, there, it's something which is a bit diffuse and it's easy to forget the impact until you really like have it until it's like really put in your face. Right. Um, and there's a million different things you could say on that. So one of the reasons that things like this concept of digital proximity are useful is because they allow us to look at the problems that content solve and some of the problems we create by not implementing content well from a different perspective. So like it, to me, this is like, it's another lens. It's another way to look at like what we do and like the importance of it. Um, and that's why it's useful. So what is it? And by my definition, yeah. um, by your, by my definition, definition Digital proximity is really just the concept of um, the distance it takes a user to go from a point of need to a solution in a digital world, right? So, yeah. and what's the distance? Well, distance. So, distance kind of is time, right? And this is the thing that, like, that I think is so interesting about this is that you know you can think of distance in like in pure physical units, like in like physical proximity, right? But in reality the distance between you and something you want in the physical world is really more a matter of time than it is a physical distance, right? So if you need to go to the store, but you don't have a car, the store is really far away, even if it's only, you know, a couple of miles and it makes the, you know, the physical distance something which is insurmountable. But if you've got a car and it's a couple miles away, it's not that far away. You know, it's like five, 10 minutes maybe. Right. Um, so in the physical world, Physical proximity is measured by time in a practical sense more than anything else, 
Um, and we've shrunk the physical world by creating methods of transportation that reduce the time of getting places. So when I think about digital proximity, what I think about is time to solution in the same way you do in the physical world. Um, I have a problem. I need an answer to something. I'm not sure how mm -hmm, to do something. Mm -hmm. I don't know how oh. to use something. Ha. Huh? Um, and how long does it take me to access the digital service or good? In our case, it's usually content that is going to solve that answer that resolve that situation for me. Right. So that's the idea that's like, that's the very pure idea of digital proximity and uh, the way that I think about it. Okay. All right. All right. I think I said this last time, but it's similar. Well, where I live now, Southwest Missouri, Missouri. Cool. Sorry. I believe it's pronounced um, Missouri. Nobody. Well, it depends on where you're from in Missouri, whether you say Missouri okay. or Missouri. If you're from one of the three major metropolitan areas of which I am, it's Missouri. Okay. If you live in the more rural areas, you, you probably you're more likely to say yeah. Missouri. Oh, I stand corrected. Partially. Yeah. Uh, but he, here in Missouri, you you measure distance, physical proximity with miles, typically. So how far is it to the store? Oh, it's three miles. That's not the case. Um, that wasn't really the case as much in Rochester. And it certainly wasn't the case when I lived in LA. Everything was measured in time. Everything. So it didn't matter if you were three miles from the beach, you were 45 right. minutes. Or you were however many minutes it would take on average from that particular location. And the first time I asked somebody how far it was to a particular place, they gave me a time. And I was like, I don't care how long it is i want to know how far and they had no idea because i was riding my bike and so i could mm -hmm. you know bypass some traffic or take different roads or whatever just be slower but, than uh, a car. they they well, yeah it, typically not <laughs> typically not well in la for sure if i wasn't going yeah, like a yeah, huge yeah. distance yeah it was it was faster to ride a bike well but, but that but that is um, the thing like in most places uh, especially if you're traveling if you ask somebody how far away something is they give you time how far is the store from here 10 minutes how long does it take to get to the office? Like nobody tells you like, like how far your office, how far away is your office? Like nobody gives you a number of, it's not 1.5 miles. It's how long does it take you to get there? Like that's the important, like transmitting, like tra commuting between one place to another to acquire something or to accomplish something. It's time. Um, so does effort, does effort for, for getting there weigh into this or does that just factor into the overall time? Well, I think it factors into time too, because so like you can make, so, okay, so you want to make another uh, an, like analog to, to content. Let's say you're in another country, and that country um, either doesn't speak English very well or you don't speak the language in that country very well. Either way is fine. Um, you know, you don't, you're not communicating very effectively um, with whatever you have to use language-wise. If you go to the store and you have to buy something from that store that you can't just pick up, so you need someone to help you with it, the language barrier will increase the amount of time it takes you to buy something. Like it could it be five percent, or it could be you know four hundred percent more. Um, and I've had this experience um, as I have you know been through a number of countries, and I only speak English because you know I'm a dumb American. Um, and mm -hmm. there, ha I remember being in a store in Poland where, um, to my shock, because almost everyone in Poland speaks really good English, um, so you get lazy. Um, the people in the store didn't really speak English. And I actually, what I needed was bandages. Um, and it was very, very difficult to get them to find me bandages um, in this particular situation. Whereas had I spoken the language, had there been less of a language barrier, um, that could have happened much more quickly. So 
even in this particular situation, the, you know, the effort that went into it, you know, it increased the time to the thing that I wanted. It, mo- it put it further away from, from me acquiring it. Okay. So what do we do with this then? So what we do with this is we think about our digital experiences. So I'm going to give you an example. And like, this has kind of been popping up all over the place for us um, more recently, or maybe I've just been noticing it because, you know, digital proximity has been on the mind. Um, so, well, you got it, you got it tattooed, didn't oh, you? Yeah. You have digital proximity, like it's under your eyebrow, I think. Uh, no, right on my forehead. That's why I'm wearing this hat. Uh, uh, gotcha. It was a mistake. I, I, I'm going to actually get an angle bracket, uh, teardrop angle bracket. <laughs> yeah. Good. It's going to be yeah. awesome. So if you're in an application and you have to leave that application to answer a question about it, to go get help, that's an increase in your digital proximity, right? And then when you go to that help site to get that information, if you then have to select or figure out what version of something or what attributes you're using or what you're not using, that's an increase in digital proximity. And if you get to the actual content, the amount of time it takes you to consume that content is part of acquiring what you want. Because like nobody wants content. People want an answer or people want assistance or people want to know how to do something, right? Like it's just different ways of saying the same thing. But like nobody's like, I want some content. Like what, what they really want is they want to know, they want the thing that's in the content to be in their head. So the amount of time it takes them to get through your content to the point where it's in their head and they can solve their problem is also part of the, the digital proximity. So if they can't get it in their language or they were to rely on like a poor translation, that increases the digital proximity. If they can't, if they have to parse it, so like, oh, am I a Mac user, a Windows user, a Linux user, that kind of thing. That's an easy one, but you know, it can be much more complicated than that. Like I have this, this keyboard, this thing, it's a Logitech keyboard. And like, I, this is right after this is a podcast and a talk show, nobody can see this. I have a Logitech keyboard and I wanted to do this thing that I knew it did because I saw it in the instructions when I first bought it. Um, and I couldn't remember how to do it. So I was like, I'll just go look it up on Logitech's website. Finding the instructions for this exact keyboard, despite the fact this is a pretty common keyboard they sell, is impossible. Like I could not figure it out. They get a lot of keyboards apparently, but finding the ones that the instructions for this one, virtually impossible. And I ended up finding the actual solution on some random site that wasn't even Logitech's site. So if you're listening to this Logitech, you got a problem, you should probably call us. Um, But that took me so long and it turned out that I didn't even go to the official place for it. Like the place I had to go was some like back alley part of the internet where there was some dude with a trench coat who's like, I got your solution right here. Like it was like, you know, it's just like totally off the grid. And that's, you know, again, like, that's not what you want, right? That's not, that's really, really f- distant digital proximity to your answer. Yep. I mean, it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which PDF you need, man? I got it right here. Yeah. I know. You don't want that. That's bad. Yeah, that's bad. Don't go to that right. guy. Well, but if you got another choice, I mean, he did solve my problem. It came at a premium of my time. Yeah. No. But I thought, but it's all, I got it solved. I know how to do the thing now. And emotional well-being, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, listen, customers, people, content creators, if you want to look after your customers' emotional well-being, reduce the digital proximity. Don't send them to the trench coat guy. That's just a snapshot. That's 
that's this episode in a, in a, in a sense. But like, what is the, but like, so like, what does this really mean though? Right. So it's an interesting way of thinking about it. It is, but there's gotta be like methods to get this stuff out. Like what, like we've got to talk methods for reducing digital proximity. Right. So some of the stuff is, is, is the easy inverse of like the, what creates digital proximity, right? That's part of the thing. That reason I think this is, this is a useful concept, right? Because when you talk about the value of in-app in help or the value of um, a better user experience or the value of, you know, content being filtered in certain places, like you can now start to talk in terms mm -hmm. of um, digital proximity, which when you understand, you know, how that relates to like someone's um, expenditure of time, it starts to make a little more sense to some people. I mean, I think we're probably way over complicating this for other people, but for some people it's a useful exercise. So what it then becomes is the strategy is to move your content and your solutions and the things people need digital access to closer to the point where they need it. Like the solution is just that simple, right? So like when you're in an app, you should be able to get access to the relevant help. And when you're on um, a website, you shouldn't have to go to a completely different place to get an answer, right? Like if you're coming from someplace where you have known, like, so here's an argument for, um, single sign-on where people have federated identity for their customers is that that reduces digital proximity because when you go to one location, that location already knows you and can change content and experiences and all the other digital um, assets that somebody relates to, to be things that are the things you need and give you the things you need faster. So instead of showing up and saying, look around, you know, you know, digitally, they you can show up and they can say, here are the things that you care about because we know who you are already, right? And they put them in front of you. So it's the difference between being able, you can't bring somebody something if you don't know who they are, what they want. Like there's no amount of AI that's going to predict that type of. Well, you can, you can bring them all kinds of things. It's just probably not what they're looking for. Right. And you're, it's a, it's a shotgun approach. Also that approach probably actually increases their digital distance in that case, because more likely than not, you're going to be delivering them things that they don't really want. Now, when you have a very small set, that might be a different case. But if you're talking about like health content or knowledge content, the chances that you're delivering them the things that they want are like really small, like tiny, right? So what you're really doing is you're just putting more stuff in front of them to get to the things that they want. Because I mean, which is, you know, it's, it's increasing time, they have to analyze those things, they have to, um, they have to select that they're not going to choose those things. So, you know, in increasing the amount of information somebody has to absorb to make a decision um, and actively disqualify things is something that slows somebody down. Like every time somebody has to look at something, analyze it, make a decision and discard it, that's time. That's mental effort. Content rules, but it can be a lot. I'm sure you've noticed that a lot of these topics are connected, but our short podcast episodes barely scratch the surface. Have no fear, because in the description, we have links to videos, blog posts, and other information that help shine some light on some of the more intense, murky topics. In no time, you're going to have a little bit better idea about structured content and enterprise content strategy. Hope you enjoy.